Hallelujah. I think this message is going to minister to, to every person in this building today. Turn to Genesis. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to be starting off with verses 26 through 28 as we kick this thing off. Hallelujah. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Notice how God didn't say let me, he said let us. What's it talking about? It's talking about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now jump over to Genesis 2, verses 7 and 8. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Every time I read that, boy, I about jump out of my shoes. God breathed into us the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. You know, as I was in prayer this week, the Lord brought something to my mind. Now picture a husband and wife when they're about ready, when, when the wife is about ready to have a child. There is a, a sense of expectancy. There's an excitement. There's a joy. There's a preparation. Isn't there? There's a preparation for that child, for the arrival of that little one. They sit around. They talk about future plans. They daydream about all of the fun that they're going to have watching that little one grow up. Can you picture it? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Their heart is filled with joy, expectation, as the birth of that child gets nearer and nearer. Now, can you just imagine God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sitting up in heaven, talking about and discussing their plans to create mankind? Now, think about this. You know, a lot of times we get this, uh, this religious image of God, like I said, where he's just up there with his arms crossed. No, no. Like I talked about last week, he has a love for you. He desires a relationship with you. He wants you to fellowship with him. Just like I'm talking to you right now. He wants you to talk to him. He wants that fellowship. He desires it. And so I can picture, I can just imagine them up there talking, getting all excited, talking about creating mankind for that fellowship for that relationship that they desire. And in Genesis here, or Genesis means the book of beginnings, God created everything that man would need to live on earth. Think about it. Before he created Adam and Eve, he created everything that we would need to live. So there's the preparation process. Think about this now. Uh, it, it, was, it, it became so vivid in my, in my mind as, as the Holy Ghost brought that to my to my mind this week in prayer that there is a joy there is an excitement when he created us we need to really get that you know you are one of a kind you are special you are precious in the sight of god a couple weeks ago carol up here was talking about snowflakes how it's been proven that uh snowflakes there's not two that are alike well not there's not two human beings that are alike think about that think of how special you are so those of you who have insecurity problems and, and low self-esteem, you're going to have to get over that real quick. And the way to do it is to see yourself how God sees you, that you're special to him. Amen? You, do, you are. And listen, the sin of Adam and Eve was not stronger than God's love for his creation. The minute that they ate that fruit that they weren't supposed to eat and sin entered the world, boom, God's plan was kicked into motion. He said, uh-uh, I'm not going to lose them. I created them for my glory. I created them for fellowship. So he kicked the plan into motion to, at an appointed time to send his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to take the punishment for our sins. Hallelujah. 
The sin of Adam and Eve was not stronger than God's love for creation. Hallelujah. So God made a way through Jesus to come back to him, to be put back in right standing with him. Amen? Now listen to me. Your birth into this world was not a mistake. Oh, we run into so many people. So many people in counseling, deliverance ministry, who, who they say, I'm a mistake. I wasn't even supposed to be born. My parents didn't even want me. Oh, yeah. God has a plan for you. You're meant to be on this earth for such a time as this. Are you hearing me? You're special. Your birth into this world was not a mistake. And just as parents are excited for the arrival of that new baby, God had a perfect time in history for you to come into the scene. I said, just, mm, just as, God, as, as a parent is excited about that arrival of the child, oh, the, you know, the birth of that child is going to be September, whatever. Oh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait till September. Oh, my goodness. God was excited for you to come on the scene. Oh, March 13th, Elizabeth's going to come on the scene. Oh, I, I'm expecting her arrival into this earth so my purpose can be fulfilled. Whatever your birthday is, God was looking forward to it. So you think you're nothing? You think you're a mistake? Forget it. Yeah, the devil would like you to think that. Because he doesn't want God's plan fulfilled in your life. Are you hearing me? Come on. Jesus said in the word, the truth will set you free. Well, the truth is the word of God. And the word of God says that God doesn't make junk. That's the James Brandt paraphrase. Amen? He doesn't make junk. And God doesn't make mistakes. Amen? So you were born for such a time as this. You're on this planet right now. Because God has a purpose for you and you need to fulfill it. You need to pull your weight on this earth. You need to fulfill it. Now, so your life contains value and purpose. Now, here's the catch. There's always a catch, isn't there? Seems like it. Listen, here's the catch. Your purpose in you, it's in you as seed form. Oh, now, follow me here. Don't let this go over your head because you'll miss this whole message today. The purpose for your life is in seed form in you. And the only way to crack open that seed and for it to grow is to discover your purpose, to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. That's the catch. That's the catch. For that seed of purpose... That seed of expectation that God has planted in you, it, you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Now, you need the Holy Spirit to water that seed. Like I said before, the outcome and quality of your life and where you spend eternity is in your hands. The quality and outcome of your life and where you spend eternity is in your hands. God's not going to come down and just make an exception for you and say, well, all right, you didn't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, so I'll let you in anyways. You did some nice things. No, no, that's not going to happen. He's not going to make that exception. The quality of your life, the outcome of your life, and where you spend eternity is your hand. You see, God made the provision through Jesus Christ. What if, if I put 20 bucks down here, someone said, I need 20 bucks, and I put it right there. They stay back there and say, well, I need 20 bucks. I'm like, it's right here. Well, I need it. Well, there it is. Go get it. It's foolish, isn't it, if they just stay back there and say, man, I need 20 bucks. Well, I know some Christians like that. They just rather complain than do what they need to do. Come on. No, what do you need to do? You need to walk from there, there, and go get it. And the way to crack that seed open and make it grow is to make, first off, make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Secondly, you need to obey the Holy Spirit, Christians. Thank you. Hallelujah. 
The provision is right there all the time, but the question is, are you going to tap into the provision? Are you going to take advantage of it? See, you, on judgment day, you can't turn to God. If you're getting ready to go into hell for eternity on judgment day, you can't turn to him and say, thanks a lot, God, didn't tell me, didn't do anything for me. No, he's going to say, yeah, I sent my son Jesus Christ to take that punishment for you. But because you never tapped into it, you've got to pay for your own sins. See, Jesus paid the price, right? Jesus paid that price. Now you just got to accept that by faith and make him Lord and Savior of your life. In all areas of your life. Amen? Hallelujah. See, without Jesus in your life, you are incomplete. And Christians, without that personal walk with him, your life is still incomplete. See? You need that personal relationship with him. Because God's purpose, like I said, for creating us was for fellowship, for relationship. That's what he wants. Genesis 2-7 said that God breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils when he created him. Think about that, the breath of life. Now think about this. When you got saved, Christians, the Holy Ghost breathed that life back into you. It's called, the, in the Greek, the zoe. You know what that is? That's called the God kind of life. That's what the world's searching for out there. That's why the world's out there drinking and partying, fornicating, having sex after, before marriage and all this junk. They're trying to look for something to fill that void that only God can fill. Are you hearing me? See, so when you got saved, Christians, the Holy Ghost breathed life back into you. And that is called, you'll hear the fancy theology term, regeneration. Now, regeneration means this, new birth, renewal of moral and spiritual nature, and restoration of all things. Isn't it good to know that we serve a God of restoration? God is a God of restoration. You need re restoration in your life? You need restoration in your marriage? Well, praise God. He's a God of restoration. The question is, are you going to submit to him? Are you hearing me? See, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way through your life. He created us with a free will. You have to freely take steps to him. James 4, 8. Draw nigh to God, it says, and he will draw nigh to you. Who takes the first step? We do. He's waiting for something to happen on earth before he moves in heaven. Well, that's a whole other teaching right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Adam and Eve took the, bait of Satan, took the bait of Satan when they ate that fruit that God said, don't eat their own free will. They ate. But that sin was not stronger than the blood of Jesus Christ. It was not stronger than the love of God or his power to restore us or to reconcile us to himself. I looked up the word, you know, reconciliation. The Bible says that we're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Do you know? Oh, I mean, it's, it's so simple, but sometimes when you hear something simple or read something simple, doesn't a light go on sometimes? Like, oh, the word reconciliation means making peace between enemies. Before you were born again, before you made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, you were an enemy of God, the Bible says. Oh, but when you make Jesus Christ, when you made him Lord and Savior of your life, that wall, that enmity was taken away. Think about that. Oh, that is, that is just amazing. The, the creator of all things. That's such a huge God. What boggles my mind is that such a huge God makes himself small enough to come into my world and want a relationship with me. Think about that. People say, yeah, but he doesn't have time for me. He, he, he's just too busy. Look at all the people on the earth. No, he wants you. He wants you. And until you come to him, it grieves his heart because he wants that relationship with you. Oh, my. Now, I want to show you something here. I want to show you something that will rock your world. This thing will rock your world if you take hold of this truth from the Word of God. You want to see it? Yes. Turn to Ephesians 
This thing, I mean, oh, I about fell out of my chair when I read this scripture and then the meaning of it. Ephesians 2, chapter 10. Hallelujah. You are special to God. God, he thinks about you all the time. He thinks about you and I all the time. We're, we're always on God's mind. We're always on his mind. Oh, think about that. I, you know, I just, I, last couple of weeks I've just gotten such a revelation of how, just the, how much God just wants us. Just us to fellowship with him. Just the love. He wants us just to love him. Just to love on him. Oh, it, it's not about religion. It's not about doing 12 Hail Marys. It's not about that. Like that song said, God wants your heart. He wants, he just wants you. Like I said last Sunday, he wants you to love him as much as he loves you. Hallelujah. Now, look at this. This, this is powerful. Ephesians 2.10. It says this, For we are his, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, th this is amazing. Underline that word workmanship if, if you have a pen. I mean, this is powerful. That, the Greek word that's translated workmanship in that scripture literally means to make or design. Listen, this word emphasizes God as the master designer of your life. Now, what really boggled my mind, and I mean, you're going to have to just chew on this one and, and, and meditate upon this one for a while, because you might not get it right away. You'll be like, what's that all? Chew on it. I don't know. There's something to it. But it's in the same context. This Greek word is in the same context as writing a poem or poetry. There's something to that. I, I don't have the complete hold on it right now, but trust me. I'm seeking the Holy Ghost on it. But God is the master designer. In other words, we as Christians, because this, this book here was written to Christians. Are you hearing me? This was written to Christians now. It says that he's the master designer of believers. Well, what do you mean, Pastor James? He created me, even though, I'm an, even though I'm an unsaved person right now. He created me. Well, that's true. But this is going a little deeper than that. Let me, let, let's just get into this here. See, before you got saved, your life was a mess. There's no purpose, no sense of purpose. You're like, what am I here for? Come on, I, I've been there. You've been there if you're, you know, when you're unsaved or if you're not saved here. There's no sense of purpose. There's a dissatisfaction. I call it a holy dissatisfaction. Because that is the place in your life that only God can make you whole. That's it. It's a holy dissatisfaction. So before you got saved, your life is just a mess. You're all over the place. You're living for the devil. And some don't even know it. They're enemies of God, the Bible says. And they don't even know it. Some do. Some don't. They just walk around clueless in a daze. And that's what the enemy would want you to do as an unsaved person. He just wants your time to go and go. And finally, you'll be on your deathbed one day. You take your last breath or you're in a car accident. You get killed. Guess what? Game over. That's it. That's why Satan loves to put a fog in front of the unsaved people's eyes. Because he's just hoping, oh, come on, if I just distract them long enough, oh, if I just distract them long enough, maybe I can manipulate a situation, someone to ram into them, oh, and just kill them, and I'll have them in hell for eternity. Oh, come on. That's exactly what the enemy's planning to do. So before you're saved, your life is a mess, and you're in a daze. You're just in a fog. But now by making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you are giving God permission to redesign, to reshape your life. And that's the context of Ephesians 2.10 right there. 
Yeah, of course, he formed you from the dust of the ground, your earth suit, your body, your body, soul, and spirit. Yeah, he, he did create you, but the context of that verse right there is when you get saved, that mess in your life, now God can reshape it into what he wanted it to be. That's the context of this scripture here. See, you are clay. Once you get saved, like I said, at that point, you're giving God permission to reshape you. You are clay in the pot, hands of the potter. Go to Jeremiah 18.4. I want to show you something here. Jeremiah 18.4. When I got born again, when I made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life, this is the scripture. I said, Lord, see, I didn't know much when I got saved. I didn't know much, but all I knew is, boy, when I made Jesus Lord of my life, I, I was on fire. Still am. But listen, it was such a radical change. Linda talked about radical obedience. Radical. And I said, man, it was, it was just so overwhelming. I said, God, what are you doing in me? What is going on? Am I nuts? What's going on in my life? He said, and the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He said, Jeremiah 18.4, read it. Oh, my. Oh, the, and when I read it, tears just flowed. I, oh, listen. He said this to me. He said, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred. Meaning, before, uh, at the, every person comes into this earth with a sin nature. It's marred. It's marred. In, in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel. As it seemed good to the potter to make. See, when you get born again, God wants to reshape your life. He wants to put it back into the, his original intent and purpose for your life. Before getting saved, God's hands were tied. The clay was not pliable. The clay wasn't formable. It was hard. You ever have hard clay and you're trying to reshape it? It's impossible. It cracks. It does all this stuff. That's how it is before you got born again. There was no water to soften it until the Holy Spirit came on the inside of you in salvation. Think about that. That is when you're pliable then. That's when God can reshape you. And it's interesting that the Holy Spirit in Scripture is compared to water. Rivers of living water is helping to mold you and shape you as a Christian. If you're, if you're a Christian in this place, you are God's art project. Are you hearing me? If you're a believer today, you are God's art project. He's working on you. He's shaping you into his, like I said, original intent for your life. See, through the Holy Spirit, God enables you to live for him. Through the Holy Spirit, you can overcome sin in your life. See, it's still possible once you get saved, you're not a puppet on a string. You still have to choose obedience to God. Come on. Well, oh, we've seen that, that pastor of a 14,000-member church fall into homosexuality and drug use. Come on. You've got to choose obedience to God. Amen? See, through the Holy Spirit, he's equipping you to be a vessel that carries his anointing, his presence, his power. And like I said, man, oh, that excites me. That such a huge God, a wonderful God, makes, comes into my world. Chooses to put his presence in me. Chooses to put his presence as, in you as a Christian. Oh, I, I, that just, that's just so cool to me. So allow the Holy Spirit to water that seed of purpose in your life. The Bible says that God is love, right? There's a scripture that says that God is love. Consider this. It is the love of God that's molding you and that's shaping you. Do you hear me? It's his love. It's his love because he's trying to get you back to that original purpose for your life. He wants to mold you. He wants to shape you. He wants you to be successful on this earth. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to live a healthy life. He wants you to do all these things and be blessed.
He's molding you. He's shaping you. Are you cooperating with the process? Are you cooperating with the process? I want to share with you, I'm, I'm kind of switching gears, but it all ties in. I want to share with you now what the will of God is for his power in your life as a Christian. Well, we know he's molding and shaping you. But how is God reshaping you? What's he looking for in your life as a Christian? And what is the purpose for the power in your life? Now listen to me. I was in prayer this week. And I'll walk around and I've been telling the training center students this. We've been at the training center, you know, for a half hour we walk around praying in tongues. And I have them carry around a pencil and paper. I said, whatever the Holy Ghost brings to your brings to your, your mind, brings to your spirit, if it's a, a name of a person, if it's a, uh, a vision of something, if it's, I want you just to write it down, document it. So now, I've been walking around with paper and pencil, you know, and I'm walking around this sanctuary, praying in tongues, praying in the, the, with my understanding, you know, and all this good stuff, and all of a sudden, three words come to me. What's God's will for his, per, for his power in your life? Three words come to me. Ready for this? This is deep now. Ready? In, through, and to. In, through, and to. That's, that's the will of God. Okay, I'm done. No, just joking. In, through, and to. Say it. In, in. Through, through, and to. Well, first of all, in. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, Right? But the power of God, the anointing of God can be increased in your life. How? How can the anointing be increased in your life? First off, by receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. you got to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You see, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. Okay? That's for you. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an equipping for the work of the ministry. It's where he comes upon you. And equips you. Well, that's a whole other teaching. But trust me, it is. But, hey, even though the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for an equipping for ministry, there's still advantages that you have in, the, in your life personally. All right? But listen. So by receiving the Holy Spirit baptism, by spending time with Him in prayer, praise and worship, and time in the Word of God, reading the Bible, and obedience to the Word of God. All right? But let me ask you this. The Holy Spirit wanted me to ask you guys this. Something to think about. Can God trust you with his anointing and power in your life? Can he trust you? Can he trust you with the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestations of the Spirit in your life? Just throwing it out. Can the Holy Spirit, can he give you a word of knowledge without you going around playing telephone with everyone? Are you hearing me? Can he trust you? See, to be able to trust a person, you got to get to know them. Right? Trust is, is, is something that has to be built. I mean, if I, if I choose someone here, I have no idea who you are. Well, I'm not just going to automatically trust you with secrets. I'm not going to automatically trust you with, the, with, with things that are really important to me. Are you hearing me? Can God trust you with his anointing? Can he trust you with his power in your life? So the will of God for his power is to first come on the inside of you and change you first. That's the end part. That's the end part. Look at 1 John 2.27. 1 John 2.27. That's at the end of the Bible. <laughs> Some people go to the Gospel of John. All right, 1 John 2.27 says this, But the anointing, or the anointing is simply this, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. All right? But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. That's not talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, by the way. That's talking about what you receive of the Holy Spirit when you get born again. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. The anointing or the presence of the Holy Spirit is always teaching you, encouraging you to abide or continue with your walk 
with the Lord Jesus Christ as a Christian. That's the first thing, the anointing. Well, oh, the anointing, some spooky thing. <laughs> no. All he's trying to do is keep you in line and, and walk with Jesus every day. Are you hearing me? That's, the, that's one of the first things that the anointing is going to do. Amen? See, you need to be meek. Meekness, Jesus had this trait, the Word of God says. Meekness simply means that you are teachable. You're teachable. Say meekness is not weakness. If meekness was weakness, that means Jesus was weak in his earthly ministry because he says that he was meek. Amen. Don't go there because we know Jesus wasn't weak. Amen. No, he was teachable. Who did he allow to teach him? The Holy Spirit. Amen. Because he had the anointing. He had the anointing. And the anointing was teaching him. Now, you need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in your life. If he reveals an area of your life that you need to make changes, don't put a wall up and ignore him. Make the changes in your life. Remember I said before, I said anytime the Holy Spirit shows you something, he's always trying to get you back into the blessing mode. If he re reveals an area in your life that, that's hindering you, praise God for that. Fine, if you don't want to be blessed, just ignore the Holy Spirit. Just ignore Him. No. But He's always trying to get us back into the blessing mode. You know, I found this out. God loves to bless us. There's scriptures in the Word of God that says, Lord, bless us for your name's sake. What, is that? what does that mean, for your name's sake, bless us? Aren't we getting blessed because of it? I mean, aren't we? Because it brings joy to God to bless you with good things. Oh, we are so religious. Are you hearing me? We get so religious in our thinking. God, man, you guys, we, we really need to take a hold of this. I think you, I mean, incredible breakthrough. I'm feeling breakthrough in our services. I mean, I, I, God's doing something. And I think this is a huge key to know that God is on your side as a Christian. He wants to bless you. He's excited to spend time with you. If you could take hold of that, we will be seeing a mighty revival. Amen? Now, the Bible says to stir your... I'm still talking about in. The power of God in you, first of, all, first of all. Stir yourself up, as the Bible says. Pray in the Spirit. Sing in the Spirit. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 18. Go there. Look at this. We need to stir up the power of God that's in us. Hallelujah. See, there are too many Christians' lives. You ever see a dirty, scummy pond before? And it's just stagnant, right? The water doesn't move. That's why it's stagnant. That's why you have all that algae and all that junk, because there's no movement. But the Bible says we need to stir ourselves up. Are you hearing me? If there's a steady stream that's going into that pond or that water's moving, all that junk gets pushed out of the way. And we wonder why we let all, so many Christians are walking around with frowns on their faces all the time. Because they're not doing anything to push the junk out of the way by stirring themselves up. Look at this. Ephesians 5, 18, 18 through 21. It says, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And the context of that scripture is be being filled with the Spirit. Not just one time. Training center students, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? When we're in here praying, you get stirred up. You get refilled, don't you? I mean, I had to keep Carol down from, from hitting the ceiling uh, these last couple times for crying out loud. But be being filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always keeping Him in your mind, always thinking about Him, and let it come out of your mouth. Praise Him. Father, thank You. Thank You for saving me. Thank You that Your anointing abides in me. You're stirring yourself up. You're stirring yourself up. Giving thanks always for all things. To God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So allow the Holy Spirit to change you on the inside. 
The word of God says that we're being changed from glory to glory. Oh, that's powerful. From glory to glory. Every step you take with the leading of the Holy Ghost, it's leading to glory. Think about that. Oh, it's leading to glory. There, there's a glorious work going on inside of you. You are God's work of art. He's molding you. He's shaping you. Secondly, the power of God has to go through you. See, God doesn't want his people to just be satisfied with his power in their lives only. He wants them to release it to others around them. By witnessing to them. By praying for the sick. By casting out demons. Doing the work of the gospel. Amen? It's not just for you. I see so many Christians that they'll go to all these meetings, boy, and they're just fat, dumb, and happy, man. They got the power of God. I mean, they're so filled, but they're not releasing it to anyone else. Come on. You want to know the secret of getting filled even more? Release it. Wayne and I were talking about, you release it, and then you get a refill. Then you just go ahead and get a refill. Hallelujah. See, it's the will of God that we get busy advancing the kingdom of God on this earth. God doesn't put the power of heaven in you so that it can be wasted or used up by you only. Amen? Now listen to this. Here's the key. How does it go through you? How does the power of God go through you? Listen to this. For something to go through you, you must be broken. Oh, that, that's, that word just kept coming to me all week. Brokenness, broken, broken, broken. That song that played before I came up here called Sweetly Broken. Broken. You need to be broken. And I'm not talking about broken in a negative sense, but in a positive sense. It means that if the Holy Spirit prompts you to start talking to someone at Walmart about Jesus, you say, yes, sir, and you do it. Are you hearing me? You don't sit there for 10 minutes arguing with God. You're not broken if it's at that point. The Apostle Paul was a broken man. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hallelujah. If you're sitting there arguing with God, if you're sitting there thinking about your own ability, you're not broken yet. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. The Apostle Paul was broken. Look at this. He said, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul understood that he had to be a broken vessel so the power of God could flow through him. He understood that it wasn't his natural abilities. He understood that God didn't need him to touch up the power of God. He didn't have to crack open the dictionary and get eloquent words. Are you hearing me? He didn't have to go to a theology school. Hallelujah. No, he understood the power was from God. And anything he tried to do is not going is, is to boost up the power of God. It's not going to help the power of God. No, what helps the power of God is you being broken. I told the training center students this. The Lord told me to tell them this. Availability and flexibility. That's what God's looking for. Availability and flexibility. Are you available to be used by him? Now are you flexible? What if God tells you to do something and it's not on your time schedule? Huh? Oh God, don't tell me to go and talk to this person. I'm, I gotta go here, I'm late. If you're arguing with God, you're not broken yet. Now, hallelujah. Now, and last of all, so there's in, through, and to. God wants you to direct his power and anointing toward, toward those who are in need of it. I touch on it a little bit. The word of God says that when Jesus walked this earth, that he was moved with compassion. He was moved. Say moved. With compassion. Now look at this. I'll go to Matthew 9. Matthew 9. I'm getting ready to close here. Matthew 9, 35 through 36. Hallelujah. Every time I read that where Jesus was moved with compassion, 
oh, the word compelled comes to me. He was compelled with passion. Look at this. Matthew 9.35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues or churches, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every, say every, sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus was drawn like a magnet to those people in need. Are you? Are you? See, love and compassion for those in need must be the motivating factor in our lives as Christians. Love and compassion for people. Notice here, it said Jesus went. I want you to notice, went. He didn't just keep the anointing for himself. No, he took hold of it and he went. He was on a mission. What's your mission? Is it just to build up your own life, your own agenda, or to build his and fulfill his purpose? Luke 4.18, hallelujah. Jesus said these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, say sent, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The anointing has a twofold purpose to teach you to abide in Christ and to minister to others. God sent him. You want to know when it's the anointing? How do I know if it's the anointing? The Holy Ghost will send you to people. Come on. The Holy Ghost will send you to people, He'll draw you to people. You ever have this, some, someone like that? Someone, a co worker or someone, a family member? You're, you're just drawn to them. You're drawn to them. Oh, man, the Holy Ghost just puts something in your heart. You see the potential in them. Oh, you see the potential and you just want to pour your heart. You want to pour your life into them because you know God has something for them. That's the anointing. That's the anointing pulling you, drawing you. You know what I call it? A divine appointment. Remember that message I preach? See, God has divine appointments for us in this world. So what's your, what's your mission now? What's your mission? Did you fulfill it? Go to, go to my last scripture, Acts 4. Acts 4, 29 through 30. The, apostle, the apostles and some disciples here, they're preaching Jesus, doing what Jesus told them to do, and they ran into some persecution. Yeah, don't get discouraged when you try to preach Jesus and you get persecuted. Just expect it. Jesus said you're going to be persecuted for faith in him. Just expect it. Amen? So they were preaching Jesus and they got persecuted. They got thrown in jail and then the people threatened them. Listen to this, what they said now. Acts 4, 29 through 30. It says this. Now, Lord, they're praying, the, they praying to the Lord when they got th th uh, released. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, say boldness. That's radical obedience. With all boldness, they may speak your word. Look at this. By stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, this is amazing to me. This is amazing. They were praying that God, that God would stretch forth his hand to heal and be done in the name of Jesus. Right? Say, God, stretch forth your hand. I want to tell you something right now. Every Christian on this earth are the hands of God. If we don't stretch our hand, God doesn't have anything to touch. We're the hands, we're the feet of Jesus on this earth. The Bible says we're ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? A representative. He's anointed us. He's given us the power to do it. So they said, God, stretch forth your hand that miracles, signs, and wonders can be done. 
You know, they could have prayed that all day, but if they never would have walked out that door and went to do something about it, the power of God would never have flown. Too many Christians like, God, do this, God, do this. And he's saying, well, go here then. God used me to cast out devils. Well, go to a psych ward then. You'll find plenty of demons there. Doggone it, we find enough of them in the church. Oh, I'm meddling now, aren't I? All right. But if they wouldn't have walked out that door and put action behind their prayer, the power of God would never have flown. Hallelujah. The power of God flows through the Christian, in, through, and to. We are God's pipeline for his power from heaven to earth. Come on. We're a 90-degree connector between heaven and earth. Are you hearing me? You know what 90 degrees is. Come on, college kids. You know what it is, right? The power of God comes in and flows out. We as Christians are 90-degree connectors of the power of God on this earth. The Bible says you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Don't pray that Jesus will come down from heaven. No, he's sitting at the right hand of God interceding for us. Don't bother him in his prayer time. Amen. No, come on. You need to know, someone needs to hear this. Someone, I don't know if someone's going to go pray for someone, but the Holy Ghost is telling me to tell someone. When you go and you lay hands on someone and pray for them for healing, know that the power of God's flowing right from you into them. Because you're, hi. <laughs> you're doing it by faith because you are the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. The Bible calls us the body of Christ. Amen? Come on. Hallelujah. His power is meant to flow through you to others. Direct the power of God to those who need it. Hallelujah. You are God's work of art. You are God's poem. His anointing and power is shaping you. You are beautiful. You are precious in His sight. You catch hold of that this morning. Allow the Holy Spirit to water the seed of purpose on the inside of you. Because that is where your true peace, joy, and provision of your life is. Or else you're just going to be like the Israelites, and you're going to be just wandering around the mountain for 40 years. Wandering around the desert in the mountain for 40 years. No, I don't want to walk around the mountain, I want to go up the mountain. When's the last time you said, Lord, show me your glory? When's the last time you asked him that? When's the last time you had a heart cry like Moses did in Exodus? Lord, I want to see your glory. No, he's saying, he's saying, quit walking around the mountain, you come up here. Come on up. Seek me in prayer. Seek me in my word. Seek me in your everyday life. I want a relationship with you. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you right now for your word. Thank you for this message that you put upon my heart. Lord, I pray that this word that was spoken would touch every person. Lord, those parts of the message, maybe there's just a little part that just rocks someone's world and the Holy Ghost just sparked a revelation in them about it. Father, engraft that word on their heart right now. Now, maybe there's someone here you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Oh, you got purpose, but it's in seed form on the inside of you. You need to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Let, I'll step on and say this. That's what you've been looking for your whole life. And now is your opportunity to discover that purpose, to get saved, to know that your destination is heaven for eternity. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I just want you to step forward this morning, and I want to pray with you so you can have a new birthday, the born-again experience, by making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Now, maybe there's someone in here, you've been a Christian. Yeah, you said the sinner's prayer, but you've fallen away. You've strayed from the Lord, and you know it. And today you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. I want you to come forward this morning and just settle it today. Put that sin, put that past under the blood right now and start brand new with God. Maybe there's someone in here you've 
you're born again and you know it. You love the Lord, you're born again. But you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. If you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, come on forward this morning. I want to lay hands on you and pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. Maybe you need a prayer for healing. Maybe you have a physical infirmity. Maybe you have a sickness. Maybe you have a disease. Maybe there's something physically or emotionally. Maybe you need emotional healing. I want you to come forward. Maybe you just need prayer for someone, someone, something. You need someone to come in agreement. Come forward this morning. We want to pray with you. The rest of you, just lift your hands to the Lord. Let's just worship the Lord. Because better is one day in His house than a thousand elsewhere. Don't 
walk out of this building without doing it. Because you don't know when you're going to take your last breath on this earth. Take that step if that's you this morning. Settle it today. Hallelujah. God is calling you back. God's calling you to Him. He's drawing you this morning. You deserve my every breath For you've paid the great cost Giving your pure life to death else salvation rededication someone's just right on that edge someone's right on that edge of eternity right now right on the edge of eternity oh the holy ghost is saying that right on the edge of eternity walk in the line walk in the line he's saying step over into my realm he's saying step over into my realm saith the lord step over that's what he's saying saying let yourself fall into me I hear the Holy Ghost saying let yourself fall into the master into Jesus's arms hallelujah someone I'm giving to play one more song one more song someone has to make that decision today someone is teetering on eternity someone is teetering on eternity And God cares enough about you to extend this service. All you need to do is extend your heart to Him today. Just step out. Step out. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They're not looking at you. They're not going to make fun of you, whoever you are. Just step out of the boat. Just step out. That's all. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to you. Mm-hmm. 
pits of hell and on their way to heaven on their way to a wonderful relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ give the Lord a hand give him praise hallelujah thank you Lord we love you Lord God building the kingdom of God building the kingdom of God how do you make God rich by leading others to Him. That's how you make God rich. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord. Just praise Him. He just wants your pure worship. You hear me? If you got to get out of your seat, get out of your seat. If you got to twirl, twirl. Raise the banners. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He just wants you today. bless you. We thank you for a wonderful time in your presence. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Huh? Oh, yeah. All right. We, uh, have to give the sad announcement here. There is no coffee out there. Carol was hoping, but we don't have it. But we are, we are going to get something hopefully next week. But go ahead, fellowship, relax. You know what? Get to know each other. Come up and, and, and just introduce yourself to these kids for crying out loud. Get to know people. Fellowship. Amen? 
The whole plan for us Christians, God wants us to get to know each other, to fellowship, to build each other up. Amen? Amen. Well, let's go out in the power and the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Go. Hallelujah. Man, I'm fired up. Hallelujah. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.